You are listening to the Radiant Brilliant Show podcast. The Radiant Brilliant Show is a cultural community podcast established to be a platform for those who are using their skills and talents to help make the world a better place. We're easily found on uh, most social media platforms. In honor of International Women's Day, which is today, March 8th, and Women's History Month, we will be discussing a sensitive topic regarding the infant and mother mortality rate among African Americans and possible resolutions for this, a way to reduce the numbers and increase the awareness and the knowledge I have a very special guest, and we'll be tuning in with her in just a moment. But thanks again for continuing to support the Radiant Brilliant Show. I appreciate it, and I hope that it can be a benefit to others, inshallah. By now, we should all be very familiar and concerned with high instances of Black mortality rates of newborns. Contributing factors of stress, racial disparity on many social levels, irregardless of income and lack of preparedness for the journey, has definitely made an impact, but we can fix this. Today on the show, I'll be speaking to Angela Smith, certified doula, founder and coach or instructor at Birthmark Doula Training Academy. Who better to identify and address the rising rates of infant mortality and substantive resolutions than someone working in the field with expectant mothers? So let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Angela, and thanks for taking the time to educate my listeners today. Hi, Kim. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Now, I've been reading, um, not necessarily in the papers, but online about the rising rates of uh, infant Black mortality. Can we discuss possibly some of the statistics and and the contributing factors to why this is occurring? I would just start with the basic history and then go up to what's going on today. The history of holistic home births dates back all the way into biblical times. But in our more recent past, it is documented many times over that for hundreds of years during slavery, um, our women, black women of slavery, were birthing their own children. Grandmoms, moms, aunties were catching babies for their family members and neighbors and people like that, you know, within the community. While sisters, nieces, and cousins were, of course, back in that time, they took on the role of what's now called a doula. They did this by holding the hands, wiping the sweaty brows, you know, doing certain proven methods and techniques to help comfort the mom or the one, you know, in labor and birth at the time. But unfortunately, when it came to the postpartum part, there wasn't much of that happening because generally right after mom had the baby, she was back out into the field. So um, their service and, and support was limited at the time. There was an interview done not too long ago, some um, maybe a couple of years back, with a woman by the name, she was a Granny Smith, of Miss Margaret Charles Smith. 
She was from Alabama, born and raised. Uh, and she was born in 1906. And she died in 2012, I believe. She, she was around like 106 years old. And Miss Margaret says that she delivered 3,500 babies in her time, only to start around the age of five years old. She said that sometimes she would have babies four, three, four, five times a night uh, being born. That <laughs> she had to leave from one and go right to the other. She sometimes she didn't even sleep at night for delivering so many babies, and that was the case with most midwives in those communities back in the day. She shared her story and said that midwifery wasn't her plan at the time, but she was a sharecropper with her husband, and she grew tired of you know working in the fields and on the um and being uh, just worked to death, basically, <laughs> still being a slave. And she decided one day, one year, uh, she named it as March 15th. And she said that even if it kills her, she's not working another day in the field. So she sat down on the owner's porch, the property owner. And she said he came up. He asked her, you know, hey, Margaret, what are you doing out here? You know, why aren't you out in the field? And she gave him her reasons, she said. And by her, with her surprise, she didn't get killed. She said she told him she quit. You know, her story is pretty funny, but it gives a story about how back in those days, even if you were considered crazy, you were, you know, that was a reason to lynch someone. So she was being pretty bold, pretty brave by sta standing up and saying, no, I'm not going to do the sharecropping thing anymore. So she was sent to an asylum, unfortunately, but she was released and she was able to um, do what she loved to do, which was helping her family members and neighbors as a licensed midwife. She went to get, and got her license and she became a midwife. Well, at that time, doulas and midwives were not really making a lot of money. It wasn't something that they were doing for a living. They was just helping people. So she would get paid in like chickens and goats and materials for sewing, you know, clothing, things, materials and things like that. And um, at times, she would be paid $5 if they had $5. Over the years, as time went on, she got up to like $50. And then the doctors, of course, in the hospitals, they were like, oh, no. So they made it, <clears throat> they made midwifery illegal. So you couldn't have babies at home if they made it illegal to the communities. And so um, that became a problem because um, back in, in 1976, they outlawed it altogether. Um, having babies at home. Now, prior to that, um, there was a system in a community that the women had, the black midwives and doulas within their communities, where they were deemed very essential in what they do for the communities, caring for families, like I say, from the womb to the tomb, meaning that they were considered um, community doctors and nurses because no one else cared enough to come out and help them deliver babies, help them with medical um, situations and uh, practices, techniques, and things like that to keep them alive while they were out there and doing their sharecropping. So midwifery and doulas were very prominent in the community at that time. When civil rights came about, black people were given the opportunity um, of going into the hospitals for having you know, babies, going into labor and things like that legally. But the majority of them were still preferring the midwives um, simply because they trusted and loved the midwives and the doulas that they had come to know in their communities. So, and also it was expensive, you know, to have babies in the hospital as it is today. And they, the treatment that they got in those facilities just were not up to par. So, but in 1976, they changed that law, forcing the people to community, in the community to go and have births in the hospitals 
leaving them no other option. So the the outlawing of licensed midwifery um, was due to the fact that the federal government enacted Medicaid and Medicare for women who would have babies in the hospital. Well, that being said, the rate for C-sections skyrocketed. And our people now being, um, were now being like experimented on and um, the C-sections were um, being performed so frequently that, um, and they were doing this because the funding of the uh, government governmental agencies for Medicaid and Medicare and private insurance, of course, was funding these doctors. So they were wanting to be paid more. So they were, they were experimenting excuse me, on our um, black family members, the, the women, with C-sections and med- medicines and things like that. So that was the whole purpose of really outlawing midwifery in the communities for being home birth. Um, and because the mistreatment of the the women are still happening today, okay, these local medical facilities um, are not treating black women the way they should be. And so the way we should be treated, I'm a black woman, so I'm saying we. <laughs> um, in America, and I'll give you a couple of stats, women, black women die three to four times more often than white women in America. The black infant mortality rate is more than double that of white infants. Midwifery became, again, um, legal within all 50 states, but each state has their own separate jurisdiction. So, for instance, as, um, as of late October 2019, this past year, 35 states in the United States granted midwives the, author- the authorization to practice medicine. However, there are still 16 states left, including a couple of other countries that are neighboring, that are um, included in the U.S. population, where they still do not allow certain medications and medicine practicing to be done by midwives. So they can be prosecuted today for practicing midwifery um, in those other 16 states. Now, today, black women are slowly becoming more knowledgeable of, you know, their birth options. Thank you so much for that for that significant history on midwifery. And I'll ask you later the difference between uh, midwifery and being a doula, because I know they're normally coupled together, but they have a few distinct differences. You did mention racial disparity among the mortality rates, but I know there are some other factors also as far as income and, and health coverage, making sure that women are actually seen by doctors or, or seen early enough in their pregnancy. Um, stress also plays a, a big factor too in some of the mortality rates. Can you speak to that as well? Yes. Whenever someone, a woman, is not receiving the medical attention that she needs or if she feels like she doesn't have the, um, the money that she needs, a lot of times the baby goes uncared for, the mom goes uncared for. These things cause certain illnesses to come about or certain uh, things where the baby's not being monitored <clears throat> that it could be growing with inside the womb, um, not being detected. This is, pro- this is more likely the reasons why mothers, we're finding that so much of this mortality is happening today. Happening today. I did do some research myself, and I found a, a lot um, pointing to this U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and they stated that one of the number one reasons of infant mortality, mortality is low birth weight. They said African-American dates as a 
2017 was like 1,354 birth. The babies died due to low birth weight. And then I see where the non-Hispanic white deaths, 1,260, that's still quite a significant amount of children. And that's just low birth weight where the early early care was not instated. Yes. Having, excuse me, some some mothers just don't have the the care, the money, the the influence that they need. There's nobody representing them, so they don't know who to turn to or what to do. Some of them have never heard of midwives. They think that that's a thing of the past. Some women have never heard of birth doulas. They don't even know what the term means. And so, uh, making getting awareness out there is what's key. It's major. And I think that's another uh, point also to bring up, if you could later, the importance of of support and community. I know there were reports done that showed when community efforts impacted African American communities, it normally had a very positive outcome. As we are very communal people, as far as having a doula, what are some of the responsibilities or things that they can do or can't do compared to another medical physician? Well, there are several doulas. Would you like for me to like name them or? Yes, if you could. There are different types. That would be very helpful. Okay, (laughs) thank you. So let me just explain what a doula does before Mm -hmm. I, I name. So as far as what a doula does, a doula, first of all, just, you know, because there are some people who are unaware, and this may be their first time even hearing the word. So a doula is a person who provides labor. This is a birth doula who supplies, supplies labor support to women in childbirth. So although the practice of a doula has always been represented um, or has been present um, in our communities, it's, getting, it's gotten recognition since the, like, like the late 1960s. Okay, so the uh, there are other names that birth doulas are being called by, which is maybe childbirth assistant. There's one called Montrese, which has a few more duties than a regular doula would have, and I can go into that with you another time. So that is what a doula is. She's a support for the person in need. Okay, the benefits of having a doula. Um, there's evidence that shows that having a doula during and um, you know, doing labor and birth is that a mother is less likely, like you said, to um, to have low birth weight. She's uh, more likely or less likely to have medication in her birth and her her um, her labor. She is less likely to have C-sections, which are known in our communities as a way to have babies. Some moms don't know any other way. They think that the C-section is the, the way that babies are being born, like how they, how they come out is through C-section. But that's another key thing as to making awareness, getting, getting our um, sisters and our moms aware of the proper way to have babies, right positioning and things like that. Doulas provide mothers and their families with information that allows them to make practical and possibly life-altering decisions pertaining to their choices at the time. So they also offer like physical support, emotional support. Um, They're the birth partner when there is no father there in the the home. Evidence-based knowledge and, of course, advocacy. Yeah, there are different types of doulas, as I stated. There's the birth doula, the postpartum doula. The antipartum doula. The antipartum doula is like a high-risk pregnancy doula. So if this, mm-hmm. if there's a mother who is bed on bed rest and she's maybe threatening a miscarriage or something like that, there's a doula for that. It's called the antipartum. And then you have the adoption doula. 
the adoption doula supports both the biological parent, um, parents and the adopted parent. Um, and they form, she forms like a plan or a, a scheme for the success of the transition um, of the adoption. Then you have the family life doula. She um, or he, there are men doulas out there, but for the most part, <clears throat> she will assist the soothing of the introduction of the new baby into the family with the parents and the siblings and people like that, maybe the grandmas, you know, grandparents. There's the death doula, also called the end-of-life doula. So this doula is commonly employed by, like, hospice. Um, mm -hmm. The death doula provides comfort and maybe companionship to the families during the time of a parent's slow passing to ensure that they don't go alone, they don't part or depart or die in their solitude. There's the fertility doula. This doula, um, she is the support to parents struggling to become pregnant in the first place. So she will give solutions and suggestions on, um, for instance, the healthy eating habits to naturally shrink fibroids and things like that. They, they learn these things about fertility, okay? There's the surrogacy doula. She supports the mother who's carrying, the woman who's carrying the baby, and then, of course, the biological parents to include, like, a success plan as well. You also have the bereavement doula. Um, she is the support for the parents whose baby is aborted doing, doing like a miscarriage. Maybe the baby dies at birth or is stillborn. She's there for the bereavement to the parents as a support. And then lastly, you have like a surgical support doula. This doula supports anyone having a major surgery or having um, just, you know, baby basically helping them while they're in the hospital and then helping them get adjusted when they get home if they maybe um, are still dealing with the, the effects of the surgery. So in, in a nutshell, doulas offer non-medical care. The main purpose of a doula is to support the person in need. Wow. Who knew that there were so many different types? I've heard of a birth doula and a death doula, and that's about it. So Thank you mm -hmm. for breaking down all the different types in between and their responsibilities and duties. And the biggest thing I hear um, is support. Mm -hmm. um, the support, the education, and also I believe, like you said, like a coach, that one person who's there by your side, you can do this or you can make it through this particular transition. Exactly. So that was a bulk of an education as well. Another thing that I discovered too, regarding the infant mortality rates among African-Americans is that income is not always a factor. I know people say, oh, because you're too poor. I know for some people that could be it. Mm -hmm. But I also, um, in reading up, because sometimes celebrity news is the way most people, a lot of people get their information. In reading about um, Erica Garner, whose father, Eric Garner, was killed by the police, um, they said she was under a great amount of stress. She actually had a heart attack. She had a child and then not too long after that actually died where stress probably played a huge factor in her health and the life of her child. But one of the most recent ones was the I'm Every Woman, Serena Williams. Mm -hmm. When it came out later on, the problems that uh, she had when having her child and that she almost died. Also, uh, Beyonce mentioning several miscarriages that she had. And also, I believe uh, Michelle Obama mentioned issues with fertility. So from... The top of the pay scale to the medium pay scale, it looks like there's something that African-American women do have issues with. I know just from my family history how fibroids can travel uh, generationally, and we may or may not know everything we need to do with those, but the results of not knowing can be very devastating. 
That is true. And the thing about as far as the pay, there are doulas who now are being um, authorized or not authorized, but they're being accepted within the Medicaid arena. Mm -hmm. So you have the government now paying doulas for their services, although it doesn't compare to what you would, you know, charge a, a person who has their their own money, you know, but if, but at least they are um, allowing or giving the mother who is on Medicaid the opportunity to even mm-hmm. have a doula, you know, and mm-hmm. so that's, that's part of what, what's being done to help curve this mortality rate and the, and the low birth rates and the high C-sections and things like that. So we're, we're becoming more in the face of the medical world. Well, that's good. That almost give doulas a uh, street cred. Because things have changed, mm-hmm. I remember hearing about, um, I didn't hear about the word doula as a child. I always heard of midwife. Uh, mm-hmm. Midwife was a word that I heard growing up. But I know in the early 90s, after the opulence of the 80s, women having children, especially young mothers, were more interested in posh hospitals and the best facilities. And when people came by, you know, how dressed up they look in their pictures and all that kind of thing. But what I've seen lately is a return to holistic living. And can you explain how that may have influence on returning back to doulas and midwifery as well? Yeah, the um, the fact that a lot of that is coming from people changing and becoming more in tune with their, their faith. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people are in their faith are becoming more holistic, more natural, more like you, you're finding more black vegans <laughs> all True. over the place, more, more vegetarians than ever these mm-hmm. days. People are taking better care of themselves, their bodies. Self-care is a big thing right now. So people becoming uh, are becoming more aware of the more natural way to do things because we want to live longer. We want to um, see our children grow and, and, um, and, you know, be that grandma, <laughs> you know, to our grandchildren and stuff. So we, uh, we're coming, we're, we're tired of hearing, you know, black people have the highest um, rate of heart disease and mm-hmm. diabetes and things like that. And so we're becoming more natural, more holistic in our thinking. Um, with our, like I said, our faiths are teaching it to us because it's part of our history, mm-hmm. and things like that. So yeah, that, that's becoming more prevalent. You're seeing it more and more. Another thing I'd like to bring into the conversation is just to bring this to a more modern level. When people think of doulas and midwives, they think of hippies and waterbirds and chairbirds and tubbirds and birds against trees. And going to the rest of the conversation, can you kind of bring this to a stage of explaining how those things actually can be beneficial and how that is not the only option that you may have? Kind of bring us up to the the modern times of the um, options for birth when dealing with the doula. Do we have to have a baby in the pool? So although those things are really having the baby in the pool, having the baby at home, um, having a baby on a birthing stool, um, not laying on your back, you know, um, squatting, things like that. Those things are really good because it it allows your body, the body of the mom when she's in labor, to take its course, to do things naturally. Now, most people don't know this, but the woman was meant to birth. I mean, her body is equipped to do exactly what she does, and the body knows exactly what to do. It lets her know 
when she's in labor, it lets her know when the baby's ready. It she can feel the distension of the baby when the baby's moving down through the birth canal. Um, she just by as a doula, you learn by hearing the mom's voice and what she's saying and how she's responding and things like that as to where she is in labor, whether she's in um, pre labor or active labor you know, that type of thing, um, things that she tells you can let you know whether she needs to actually be at a hospital. Um, so, and no, you don't have to have a pooper, but those things really do help with um, gravity taking course and doing its thing, um, helping bring the baby down, just the relax relaxation of the methods and techniques that doulas have come to understand and know how to use um, really help enforce the natural way that that birth is supposed to happen but there are people there are moms who would prefer um to be induced there are moms who would prefer to be a uh, to have a c-section uh things like that and so those things are not off the grid they're not you know um taboo or anything like that you're not if you're if your doula is well trained you're not going to have a doula who judges you for wanting to see birth a c-section birth you're not going to have a doula who wants, who's going to judge you for wanting Pitocin or some type of um, medication to keep the pain from coming, um, an epidural, things like that. You're not, if she's properly trained, you're not going to find a doula who's going to judge you. So whenever you are um, contemplating on your birth, and that's the whole point of having a, a birth doula so that she can get your plan, she can write it down, she can make sure that it's um, communicated to the, the doctor to the nurses, you know, all the facility um, staff that, um, you know, of the plan and your desire of how you want the, the birth to go. That's the whole purpose of having her there so that she can support you and be an advocate for that mom. Okay. Another chance again that I'm hearing the word support. It sounds like doulas can do anything. Is there anything that's outside of their scope of work of what they can offer their clients? Yes, there's a lot that a doula cannot do. <laughs> um, doulas are not, they're not trained to do, provide medical, uh, clinical services, medical exams. We don't test urine. We don't take blood. There's no vaginal checking going on, no fetal heart monitoring. There's no administering of like medications and things. There's no blood pressure checking, stuff like that. Of course, they don't catch babies. Now, you do have montresis. That's a totally different type of doula. But a montresis is a person who assists the midwife, and she does have a lot more responsibility. She's um, heavier trained and things like that. So, But that's a totally different world, and you, would, you wouldn't become a montresis before you're an actual before you're an actual doula. You would become a doula first, and then you'll look into the montresis thing. And the, a montresis thing is that she is a person who is working her way into becoming a midwife. She's like an intern, so to speak. So that allows us to segue into a question I mentioned uh, very early in the conversation. What is the difference between a doula and a midwife? So a midwife is, this is how I like to say it. A, a doula to a midwife is as a nurse is to a doctor. So okay. a a nurse to a doctor, she um, she administers, you know, things, and she um, takes blood and those type of things. But in, in the doula realm, you're not medically um, given that opportunity or that um, provision to do that. So with a, with a doula, as far as the, the midwife, she, the midwife is the one who does all the medical examining, all the, the blood testing, the things, you know, the, the administering. She is the one who catches the baby. She is the 
doctor on call, so to speak, at your home. So you will find nurse midwives. You will find midwives in hospitals because they come out of the home into the hospitals to follow their patient, you know, when things um, things come about that she needs to be in the hospital for. Uh, you will find a doula in the hospital. A lot more hospitals are becoming more doula-friendly, more midwife-friendly. So they actually have doulas on staff in hospitals, and they expect you to have that type of training when you go there. So they expect you to have some type of certificate or something saying that you've been certified to work in the hospital as a doula. I thought it was important to mention what they could not do, and that does not lessen the importance of having them there, because if the only person that can be with you is someone that's monitoring and measuring, that's very sterile. It doesn't touch on any of the intangibles. So to have someone who's monitoring those very, very important stats but someone else who's there for your for your mental and to to reassure you and, and educate you, that to me is just as important for different reasons. Yes. yes, that is so true. Because a midwife can't be a midwife and a doula at the same time. She has too much to do, the midwife. So she mm-hmm. needs the doula there. The mom needs the doula there um, mm-hmm. for for that support. Yeah, that's exactly right. What I love that I'm hearing from you is a certain passion, not necessarily because, hey, I just learned something new, but you're really explaining to me how this can benefit your neighbor, a community, African-Americans as we go through these rising stats. What led you to this this field of work? What is your journey towards becoming a doula? Well, me personally, I've always loved babies. I'm a people person as it is. And so I've always loved babies. Um, I've always been the family babysitter, you know, growing up and things like that. People would call me. I used to want to be a pediatrician when I was younger, but then I realized, okay, there's too many years of school after high school for me, <laughs> plus, you know, the college tuition and things like that was way out of my reach at the time. Um, growing up, I was always, you know, the go-to person for moral support within my families and friends, you know, things like that, um, and I loved helping. I, I used to always consider, like I said, when I couldn't become a a pediatrician, I thought, well, maybe I'll become a, a, um, a family counselor because I was always called on in that type of moral support role as a friend, as a colleague, as um, a family member. And so that was where my interest started swirling around. Um, then I began having babies of my own, and I started realizing the importance of having somebody there. I didn't know that doula was a thing until, you know, way later after my children were pretty practically grown up. But I knew that it was important to have someone there, not just your mom, which is mom, you know, mom is good to have, a husband is good to have. Someone there to support you is good to have, but to know, to have someone there who knows uh, reflexology, someone there who knows the, the type of affirmations that you need to hear, someone who's there who already knows your birth plan and who can advocate for you to the doctors if something should happen where you can't speak for yourself. So that was that, those things became, as a mom, important to me to be able to help other people to get that, to be able to experience that type of, um, that type of um, joy in birth. I enjoyed my pregnancies, you know, things like that. I began my interest though as a doula when I be when I became when I came into my current faith. And in this faith we um we understand our ancestry, we understand our culture and the the heritage of that and what that means, what it's always meant to our people, um and where where that lies, where it fits in in our culture. So I started learning more holistically what it means to have a home birth what it means to 
um, why it's important, why it does help your body to have that water birth, to be in the pool, to be in a bathtub, to how what it's like to take a shower when you're, when you're in labor and have someone there to support you in that. I also began to learn how the treatment of our people, how we're still receiving the mistreatment in the facilities today. I, I was determined that I wanted to make a difference, so I studied. I was studied to become a certified doula myself. Um, and over the years, I have influenced and caused others to, you know, do the same thing. I have, and I started seeing, hey, there are other people who are interested in this as I am. So they, they also see the importance of the role of a doula um, to be in that, the, that realm of the birth world. The only problem is, is that there's not enough of the black training, people um, that look like us, training us to, to support us. There's not enough of that to go around. I founded Birthmark Doula Training Course, the Academy. Well, tell us some more about that, because I bet there are people who are either listening to this just for the information on exactly what a doula is or who may have been inspired by some of the things that are possible in ways to help their community. How can someone find out about your school, your courses, and, and contribute to society? Well, my goal is to help women who also aim to make a difference and then not only to help but to cash in on their, on their passion to support mothers um, during labor and birth. And I do this by teaching them high-quality birth methods and techniques while at the same time educating them on the importance and the functions of a doula. So I also provide them with evidence-based training so that they can uh, work effectively together with um, other trained professionals in the field, um, OBGYNs, midwives, nurses, and the like. The knowledge that they gain that, uh, from our course gives them the confidence needed to work with moms and to leave them, each mom, with the uh, impression of the care that she received, the trust that she gained, the emotional support that she received during her labor and birth. The training that I provide at Birthmark is self-paced in the sense that there is a live session each week um, that you have. You can take your time and um, go through the course, things like that. You are, um, at the time of your training, we, I do um, get you in contact, and we are a community. So I get you in contact with, you know, doulas in your area that you can glean off of and work with, that you can possibly shadow, things like that. Well, that sounds great. And hearing your entire conversation, I can hear how your heart is in it. I feel like you you really extend a great amount of knowledge. Somebody could just go back and forth with this uh, this particular podcast, write some notes down, go back and play, write some more notes down. You give them things that people can easily look up and verify for themselves. So I can only expect that it will be more of that in the courses for certification. And I heard you say they're online courses. Does that mean... I have to be in the same state as you? Can I be in California? Where can I come yeah. from to learn? So as long as you have a phone or a computer and, can, and the internet, you can take this course. It's, it's strictly online. It's, a, it's generally a six-week training. And that will prepare um, or give you the apt amount of readiness to have your first client or be immersed into that world? That's exactly right, yes. There are other time timelines that we can take, but generally it is six weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for anybody who's listening, who said, hmm, I might be interested in that, where can they go to read more about your academy, Birthmark Academy, and more about the courses that you offer? Well, my website, they can join, they can visit the website. Um, it is birthmark, all one word, dash doula, D-O-U-L-A, dot com, birthmark dash doula dot com. 
are you anywhere else in in the social media stratosphere? Is it just the website, or can they go anywhere else to kind of check on you and see what you're doing? Yes, we have a Facebook page, and it's it's by the same name, Birthmark Doula Training Course. I do have an Instagram as well. The okay. Instagram is doula slash training one twenty twenty. Doula slash training one twenty twenty, and that's on Instagram. That's correct. Okay, so we've got your website, we've got Facebook, and we've got Instagram. All they need is uh, interest in a few few minutes to scroll through and find out what they need to know. Is there anything else that you would like to add to this conversation? I would just like to say that if you're considering, if you have a heart to help others, if you have a heart for what what matters to other people um, and you want to be of service to someone, you don't have to have a medical um, background. You don't have to have it, but it does help if you do, just because it'll be, it'll help you be more familiar with it. What you get from the training course and what you get just being on hands-on uh, in the in the in the birth world and having that experience gives you everything you need to to provide good care for someone. But if you have a heart to help other people, okay, and you're interested in what it means to be a birth worker join um, the, the academy. Come and visit us. Give us a try. Okay, that sounds really great. Well, I want to thank you so much for having this conversation with me on the heels of Black History Month and going into Women's Month and with today being International Women's Day. I think there was a lot that you shared regarding history, um, African-American society, all the way back to Africa with doulas, with midwifery, and also the amazing things that women are capable of who come together and support one another. And I want to reiterate again to anyone listening, you can reach Angela Smith, the CEO of Birthmark Doula Training. Her website is birthmark-doula.com birthmark-doula.com. And you can also find her on Facebook and Instagram. Again, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me, educate and inspire my listeners. Hopefully we can have you back again as the course grows and some of the newer things that you discover to educate women all over. That would be awesome. Thank you for having me. This is, a great, this is a great deal. Um, and it's very important to me. It's close to my heart. So I appreciate you for having me and allowing me to speak to your your people today. Yes, I hear that advocacy, culture, and compassion all sandwiched together into a drive to make the the world a better place. I'm all for that. I want to thank everyone for tuning in again to another episode of the Radiant Brilliant Show podcast. Uh, The podcast can be found on Podbean and most of the podcast players that are available online. You can also visit my page, The Radiant Brilliant Show, on Facebook, TRBS podcast on Instagram and also under Team Uma on Twitter. Thank you again so very much for tuning in and we will catch you next time.